the communion meditation is in Colossians. And when I laid this out, I was going to cover Colossians uh, chapter uh, 3, starting at verses 18 and go through chapter 4, verse 1. But instead, I changed it today, and we're going to do chapter 3, verses 18 through 21 only. So let me go ahead and read these four verses. This is Colossians 3, starting at verse 18. Wives, submit, your, uh, submit to your own husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the fact that your word guides us into making wise and right decisions and often uh, conflicts with a culture that is at war with you and your word. So we pray, Lord, for wisdom. We pray for courage uh, to do what is right, regardless of uh, who that we may know that advocates against it. Uh, We pray, Lord, that instead your Holy Spirit and your word would guide us and lead us and conform us into the image of your Son. In his name we pray. Amen. Now, most of you have been present for these Colossians messages, and so they began back in January, and they've been kind of sporadic throughout, but I think there have been, I don't know, 15 or 16 of them. And we have gotten now, as is uh, typical with Paul, he begins with just this grandeur of God, and you really, as a, as a person who likes to write, who likes to kind of marshal thoughts and present them, I am so impressed with Paul's consistency and his ability to bring these messages that he begins up in the heavenly realms so far up that you think, how on earth is he ever going to get down to the practical matters? Well, now we see how he does it. It's just boom. You're back down on earth and you're heavily engaged in the practical matters. Look at Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Paul is not mincing words. He's not tiptoeing through this topic, nor should I. It's not right that we have pastors in the pulpits these days that tiptoe through these passages. Usually, they're tiptoeing around these passages. They don't even read stuff like this. This would not be in their readings. This would not be in their messages. They don't want to talk about it. This is the third rail in the modern pastorate. You go here, you die. That's the truth. We know this. But we're not like that. You can't be like that and be faithful to the Lord. So see, he gives four simple commands to his readers, and these uh, commands fall upon deaf ears today. Even in 90% of the churches, they would fall upon deaf ears. People don't want to hear this. They're not going to obey this. And so they just close their ears to it, even if they happen to hear it. So see, people do not listen for God's voice now. Even in the churches nowadays, people do not want to hear the voice of God. When it's touching upon things like this that go against our culture, they just want us to affirm them. You are a wonderful person. God loves you. He has a wonderful plan for your life. And pay no attention to the stuff in the Bible that makes you uncomfortable. That's not right, and that's not what we're to do. 
Let me, let me share a parody of these four verses that I think is much more reflective of our culture. I read you four verses. I'm going to read my parody of these four verses. Wives, rule over your own husbands. You know you're better than them. Husbands, be embittered towards your wives, but don't dare let them see it. Children, whine and complain to get your way. Kids rule! Fathers, indulge your children, lest they throw temper tantrums in public. In what's been going on this week with the riots, I've read, you know, my fair share of what's been going on and how people reflect on it. And uh, I've made a few posts and a few comments on such things that perhaps if such uh, young people had been spanked once in a while when they were little, they wouldn't be out in the streets right now whining and complaining as they are. But one of the things that I read, uh, they introduced a term, and I don't know if many of you have heard this term, but I just smiled, I, I laughed. You know this gener next generation Y, millennials. This person said that this is generation snowflake. <laughs> and I think the next generation is generation cupcake. That's my own prediction. But we do live at a time that is totally topsy-turvy. It is very much against what I've read to you, what our text is about. And so we have to acknowledge that. And that we have to acknowledge that this is going to go against the grain. And, and much of what we absorb through our culture will conform us to our culture. So when we read these words, we can be as shocked as the world is, sadly because we become worldly. I ask people, um, are you reading the Bible? You must be reading the Bible regularly. I encourage you to read through the Bible every year at least once. You just have to be combating our culture by having that word be absorbed into you. And reading is, is not enough. You've got to study it too. But yet, reading it is important. It's very, very critical, I think, to us being able to fight against our culture in our hearts, in our habits, in our unconscious thoughts. So now, there are four temptations. Let me again walk through these four and share with you what these four temptations are. First, wives don't want to submit to their husbands. They want to rule. I preached on this a few years ago when we were in Genesis 3. Those curses pronounced upon Adam and Eve and the world Adam was to rule, and yet you know he is at times going to rule harshly. The woman says her desire is for him. That's not a good thing. It's not for him to serve him, to please him. No, she wants his place. So see, wives don't want to submit. They want to rule. That's part of our fallen culture. That stems all the way back from the curse upon Eve. Husbands don't want to rule in love. They want to rule in cruelty, and they often do. Children don't want to obey. They just want to have their own way. Parents are obstacles to their goals on this earth. And fathers, like tyrants, just want to crush any who dare question their authority. That's the reality of the world we live in. We don't have to reflect deeply on these texts or look around our culture to learn these things. These are deep-seated realities of the world we live in and the hard matter that we have to deal with. Let me read eight words because I think this all can be distilled down to eight words. 
Wives, submit. Husbands, love. Children, obey. And fathers, don't. That's the first two words from each of those verses. Wives, submit. Husbands, love. Children, obey. Fathers, don't. Let's do it together. This is interactive. Okay. Wives, submit. Husbands, love. Children, obey. Fathers, don't. Wives, submit. Husbands, love. Father, or children, obey, sorry. Fathers, don't. Okay, so it's, so it's what? It's husbands, wives, children, fathers, right? Husbands, wives, children's fathers. Now, wives, husbands. Ah, that brings up a point I forgot. Why, why, why would Paul begin with the wives when we know that the men are supposed to be the leaders? Why would he do that? I think he's doing it for this very reason that we're going through. That he knows that in the home that the wives will want to rule. And he has to fight against it. So he begins with them. Why is that? Because, and anybody who's tried to counsel married couples in trouble knows this. Wife, I know your husband can be a bum. But the Bible says you're supposed to respect him. Well, if he treated me with love, I would respect him. But he's not worthy of respect, so therefore I'm not going to. Make him do it first. Then I'll do it. That's exactly how they think. And that's exactly what they say. But Paul started with the wife's submission first, didn't he? Because he's intentionally breaking that implied connection that people have in their minds and hearts. If my husband treated me with love and respect, I would love and respect him back. I would submit to his authority. So see, God, I think Paul and God through Paul has broken all of those connections. These all stand alone. And we are to treat them as if they stand alone. We have no recourse as a husband, as a father, as a wife, as a child to say yes, but, yes, but, yes, but, or no, but, no, but, no, but. Or if, if, if. None of that. None of those conditions. God tosses them all out. He will judge you based on what he's told you. He doesn't want to hear your lame excuses. So now, wives, husbands, children, fathers. Wives, husbands, children, fathers. Let's drill that into our heads. Wives, submit. And I'm bad. I've already illustrated that. I, I find it hard to memorize things anymore. Wives, submit. Husbands, love. Children, obey. Fathers, don't. And see, that I think, I like that last one. I know it's a little vague, but yet a father can be so quick to judge and to act out of harshness, and he ought not. That father's don't is a reminder to think. Think, think, think. Don't act before you think. Don't punish in anger. Wait till you're calm. You have to wait till you're calm as fathers. We make so many mistakes whenever we correct while we're still angry. Yesterday, I was, after I got home from work, I was walking out to the mailbox, and a neighbor had just come home. I could, you know how you could kind of tell you're not really paying too much attention. I just wanted to get to the mail and get in the house. 
but yet I could kind of tell that my neighbors had arrived. They're in the driveway. I hear voices. And uh, I heard what I thought was teasing, you know, kind of a, a mom and a grown son uh, kind of poking fun at one another. And I smiled. I thought, oh, that's cool. You know, they're kind of playfully poking fun at one another. But then within about five, ten seconds, I kept hearing their voices raise and raise and raise, and then I, oh, they're arguing. They're really angry. They're yelling at one another. As they're leaving their car and going into their house, I can hear this going on. And so then I was like, you know, I'm not like this. I, I am not like that. And so I'm avoiding that. So I just don't drop my head, grab my mail, going about my business, you know. Unless I hear gunshots, I'm not going to go investigate. That's their business. But yet, I know this family, you know, and uh, I know they have an angry home. I've heard this before. It isn't new. Um, I, at times, have had an angry home. I've been angry. But I don't think that typifies our home now. I have uh, blinds hanging in my den, and they're really long, but the windows are only about maybe four feet, three and a half feet high, and, but the blinds are really long, and so they were always, always rolling up, and years and years ago, I got so frustrated because the kids would roll them up or down, and then they'd all get tangled up, and I remember once just going ballistic on my daughter, Rachel, for the fact that this was messed up yet once more. And I went off, I mean, way, way out of control. And I took that blind and I ripped it off. And so the blind now reaches down to about maybe uh, six inches shy of the window. It's still there. It's still there, hanging there as a reminder to me of my own anger that was out of control, totally out of control. My daughter looked at me like I was crazy. She looked at me like, what on earth are you all upset about? And yet... Of course I wasn't angry just about that. We impute all kinds of anger into that situation. It wasn't about those blinds at all. It was about so much more. But it's all in me. It's not about other people. It was about me not getting my way, not having my way. It's all, that anger just rose up out of me like an explosion. And I'm thankful the blinds are still there. I've often thought, uh, I should fix that. But then I think, no, let's just leave it. Let's just leave it to me as a reminder of how stupid I can be, of how mean I can be, of how angry I can get. And I don't want to be like that anymore. So if peace does not reign in your homes, I implore you to memorize these eight words. They should just be second nature. And you should constantly have them in your minds. And if you're ever angry, remember this. Go through it. You wives, yes, yes, in many ways you're better than your husbands. We know that. We're your husbands. We know you can be much wiser, much more patient. And yet, God made us the leaders, you know? He did it for a reason. We might not always understand. We might not always uh, appreciate that fact. We might not always benefit from it even. I might make a horrible mistake. But instead of my wife saying, I told you so, she doesn't. It's just, you know, that's life. Sometimes we make mistakes. Win whatever role you're in. But yet you have that authority 
to make that. And so you could have, in this instance, for instance, ignored your wife's wisdom. Just, it's my way or the highway, woman, right? Sometimes we get like that. We can just be jerks. But hopefully your home isn't like that. Or if it maybe once was like that, it's not like that anymore. It's important that we walk this walk of sanctification towards God. And so you are all at different points on that walk than the rest of us. Everybody's at their own spot, but yet keep walking in the right direction. Know when you get turned around. Know when you get off the path. It's about getting on the path, staying on the path, making improvements each day, and being honest with yourself, not trying to lay off blame to everybody else. So wives submit, husbands love, children obey, fathers don't. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that Jesus modeled for us perfectly what it meant to be an obedient son. And we refer to you all as God the Father. You are the Father. You have the Son. You have the Holy Spirit. And yet, in many ways, God, as the Trinity, you model this perfection for us. You illustrate to us what it means to rule, what it means to be in submission, what it means to exercise authority, what it means to follow. All of that is there for us to learn from and to pattern ourselves after. And so we pray, Lord, that we would have humility, that we would always seek to do what is right, and that we would be quick to repent of sin, quick to admit it, quick to shed it, and uh, in our heart's desire, want to be rid of it. We thank you for Paul taking this on. We thank you for this word that comes to us to a culture that so desperately needs to hear it and practice it. And Lord, as we come to the table, we acknowledge that we fall short and we give you thanks for the fact that Christ did not. We thank you that you accept us in the beloved because of his sacrifice and perfection. And he has made us perfect and we give him all the praise and all the glory and thanks. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.